Thank you guys for, uh, for passing that. If you've got a Bible this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 35. Jeremiah chapter 35. This morning, we're taking a break from our series in Revelation. Let me, let me remind you, if you're interested in some in-depth Bible study, please come back next week. We are, we're about 20 weeks in uh, a study in the book of Revelation. We'll pick that back up next Sunday. But this morning, because it is Father's Day, and because I know that, man, we've got child dedication, we've got, we got a lot of things happening today, I felt like it would be appropriate to do a topical message uh, on a father. And, and Cody and I were talking this week, and it was like, man, Father's Day, what do you teach? You know, when you look at the Bible, when you look at the Bible, it's actually interesting, man. There, there's not a lot of strong biblical fathers that we can look to. There's a lot of guys in there that, that made mistakes for sure. And we can learn from their mistakes, but man, who's the guy that just, man, is the pinnacle uh, of leading his family and being, being a biblical man the way God intended? And so we were discussing, and, and, and this guy came up named Jonadab in Jeremiah chapter 35. And so if you're in Jeremiah 35, let's read verses 1 to 5. I'll give you the intro. You got notes in your seat. We'll, we'll get those filled out in the next 20 minutes, and then we'll be out of here. And uh, you know my daughter said when I say a time, I'm usually extended. So I said 20 minutes, so you know it's probably going to be about an hour and a half. So anyways, okay. Jeremiah 35, look what it says. It says, The word which came unto Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, saying, Go into the house of the Rechabites, and speak unto them, and bring them into the house of the Lord, into one of the chambers, and give them wine to drink. Then I took uh, Jazaniah, the son of Jeremiah, and the son of Habazaniah, and his brethren, and all his son, and the whole house of the Rechabites. And I brought them into the house of the Lord, into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah. I'm sorry, man, I always butcher that one. A man of God, which was by the chamber of the princes, which was above the chamber of Maseiah, the son of Shilom, the keeper of the door. And I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, and I said unto them, drink ye wine. And you would say, man, what kind of weird Father's Day message is that? And I would agree. That's a strange text this morning to look at concerning a father. But I want you to understand that we're going to learn about a man named Jonadab and his family. And we're going to see from this example and illustration that he had a family that was worthy to follow. In other words, we're going to see through his life and his fathering of his family that, man, they leave us a positive example for us to learn some things from. Now, what we need to understand this morning is that when, when Jeremiah writes this and when this scene is unfolding, this is a time of an evil nation. As a matter of fact, Judah, the, the kingdom has been split, and Judah is under the judgment of God because of, of the sins of one of their kings named Manasseh who was the son of Hezekiah. And so if you've read the Bible, maybe those names ring a bell. Hezekiah was a godly king. He was a godly man. He, he instituted reform in Jerusalem and Judah. He was, he was a guy that loved God, made mistakes. God gave him grace and gave him more time. And he had a son named Manasseh. And man, listen, Manasseh was nothing like his father. He built the high places where they worshipped idols instead of worshipped God. By the way, his father destroyed a lot of those high places, and yet he built them back. He reared up altars for Baal, who was a false pagan god. 
Manasseh made groves. He worshiped the host of heaven. He built altars in the house of God. So he went into the temple and he built pagan altars. This is a wicked dude. He built graven images in the house of God and he seduced Judah to do more evil than all the pagan nations that God destroyed out of Canaan. This is a wicked king, a wicked leader. And, and, and the Bible also says of Manasseh that he shed innocent blood very much. So, so this dude was wicked, devilish. And God said concerning Judah, he said, that's it, I'm done. I'm going to judge you and I'm going to judge your nation. By the way, God knows when a nation walks in righteousness and in unrighteousness, and this country had better take note. This country had better take note. Because God knows when a nation is walking in righteousness and in unrighteousness, and oh, by the way, shedding very much innocent blood. And so God says, I'm going to wipe Jerusalem as a man wipes a dish. I'm going to wipe it clean. I'm going to wipe it out. And so it's in this context that he sends his judgment ultimately through Nebuchadnezzar, okay? And, and so you need to understand in the context of our message this morning that what we see unfolding is happening during a time of an evil nation. But you also need to understand that at this time, they were also under another evil king. In 2 Kings chapter 23, this king is named Jehoiakim. And, and, and he is under the, the leadership of Nebuchadnezzar, Pharaoh Necho, he, he's an instrument in their hand. He's a puppet in their hand. The Bible says in 2 Kings 23, verses 36 and 37, that this king did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father had done. And so the context of this family that's worthy to follow happens in the midst of a wicked nation under rulership of a wicked king. And the thing that God is going to do is he's going to use a man and his family as an example, as an illustration to all the religious fakes and all the lost people that this is what a right relationship with me looks like. He's going to elevate a father and his family. And can I just tell you, listen, in our culture, don't take it the wrong way. But, man, we live in a wicked nation. Don't, don't think for a second America is a Christian nation. By the way, that's not a biblical term. We are a wicked nation, and I don't care who you voted for. We're under wicked rulership. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter. The Bible says that the God of this world, the devil, Satan himself, has the authority over the kingdoms of this world. And so we're under wicked rulership, we're under and involved in a wicked nation, and yet God wants us to learn this morning that the thing that will speak volumes and illustrate a right relationship with him is the very thing that he's given us to enjoy, a family, the privilege of a family. And so this morning, let's take just a few quick minutes to look at Jonadab and to see how his family is a family worth following. And so we'll start with point number one in your notes. We're going to see his command. We're going to see Jonadab's command to his family, and we'll pick it up in verses 6 and 7. Remember the story, Jeremiah has went and got the entire house of the Rechabites and brought them into the house of God, and he set before them wine to drink. And you think, man, what? That's weird. 
That's kind of weird. Some of you may have been like, man, where's that spread on Father's Day? Okay, that, okay. But, but understand the context. Look what it says in verse 6. But they said, we will drink no wine. And here's why. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, Ye shall drink no wine, neither shall ye nor your sons forever. Neither shall ye build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor have any. But all your days ye shall dwell in tents that you may live many days in the land where you be strangers. And, and, and so we need to examine this command that Jonadab gave all of his household. You see, Jeremiah is going to test the family of Jonadab, and he's going to use their obedience to their father as an example to Judah, who was rebelling against God. So, so Jeremiah brought them into the house of the Lord. There were pots full of wine. I mean... It makes you beg the question, man, why were there pots full of wine in God's house? And again, man, I, we're, that's, we'll get to that. I know everybody's thinking right now, what is the biblical thing on the wine? Okay, we'll get there. Don't worry about it. But look at the response. When they're tested, they said, we're not going to drink any wine. Here's why. Because our Father commanded us. Uh, take the wine thing out of your brain for a second. That's not the issue. The issue is a Father's command. And so we need to understand as fathers, get this key principle in your notes, as fathers, we, like Jonadab, need to command our children in a way that pleases God. You know, I grew up in a home where my dad kind of said, it's my house, my rules, right? Anybody else grew up in a home like that? My house, my rules. You try to change the rules, you get, you get invited to leave the house. You know, it's like, no, <laughs> this is my house, this is my rules, and if you don't like them, then, you know, you can go find somewhere else to live. And, and uh, man, we grew up in homes like that. Uh, God's, God's position of father over his home, and, and listen, as fathers, we need to command our children. We need to have a, a word that is authoritative in our home. And, and specifically, we need to command our children in a way that pleases God. And I know all of us didn't grow up in Christian homes, but you're possibly a believer now. You can instruct your children and set standards in your home that are biblically based, okay? And so here's the, the next key. Jonadab was a father that led his home faithfully, and we ought to be encouraged by that. We ought to be challenged by his example because, listen, he led his home faithfully so much so that when his sons and his grandsons were tested, they passed the test. They passed the test. You see, the reality is, as a father, we've been given tremendous privilege to lead. We, we've, given, we've been given tremendous responsibility to lead our children, to lead our wives, to lead our homes in a way that pleases God. And can I just tell you, we even get to share the name that God reserves for himself. The name is Father. What a privilege. That's a tremendous privilege, and it's a tremendous responsibility. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse, uh, excuse me, Ephesians, we'll get it out in a second, 6 and verse 4, it says, Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And that's the thing, man. We're called to command our children in a way that pleases God. We need to lead our homes faithfully. Even when we... We get to the qualifications of a minister, of a pastor, in 1 Timothy 3 and verse 4. It says, One that ruleth well his own house 
having his children in subjection with all gravity. Because all church ministry is, is just a spiritual reflection of physical ministry in our home. You know, man can't be a pastor if he can't lead his home. But if he can lead his home and, 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 and command his, his children in a way that they'll follow God, well, he can do that biblically as well in the church. And, and let me tell you one more thing about Jonadab, man. Here's what's powerful. His counsel, and here's the next key in your notes, as, as a father, his counsel impacted future generations. So, so he says to his children, Ye shall drink no wine, neither ye nor your sons... Forever. Man, Jonadab instructed and had influence and intention in his family in such a way that his mindset and his goal was to the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth generation and beyond. He wasn't just living life for himself, getting all he could get out of life for himself, but he actually cared about his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, and he wanted to empower them that when they face challenges in life and ministry, they pass the test. And so listen, we have a lot of older saints here this morning, and I'm thankful. Listen, older saints, let me encourage you, your faith needs to impact somebody beyond your generation. Your children, your grandchildren, my children need to be impacted by your faithfulness and your faith and your trust in the living God and the Word of God. You can make an investment and you can influence them. Or you cannot. And you're, you're set up, saints, older saints, listen, you're set up to not check out on the things of God, but to continually invest so that children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, both physically and spiritually are impacted through the Word of God for God's glory. Man, that's a, that's a privilege. That's a great responsibility. It's a great opportunity. And so as fathers this morning, we have to ask ourselves the question, okay, because it is kind of geared to fathers. It doesn't mean you can check out ladies. But, but it is, it is a, a legitimate question for us as fathers this morning. What kind of biblical rule... Am I setting for my household? What kind of biblical rule am I setting for my household? And again, if we go back to, to Jonadab, he had some things that were very specific. And so let's talk about it. Number one, he said, you shall drink no wine. And I know what you're already thinking this morning. I mean, you want the message to be about, is it lawful? Is it permissible for a Christian to drink alcohol? And if that's you this morning, you've already missed the point. You've missed the point. That's not what we're talking about this morning. Come back. We don't, we don't shy away from talking about that. Here's what I'll say about Jonah, Jonadab's standard for his family. His standard didn't violate Scripture for his children. And his standard didn't fall short of Scripture either. And so he said, you know what, okay, just like Joshua and Joshua 24, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord, and here's what it's going to look like. And again, man, there, there's liberty, there's permissible, and listen, we can have all those conversations. The point is, he had a standard of rule and command in his home. And by the way, our homes are autonomous. And what I mean by that is, well, if you come to my house, the Bible is the authority. If you're a Christian and I go to your house, the Bible should be your authority. But you know what? My YouTube watch list may be a little bit different than yours. Right? I mean, seriously. 
Are we okay? I mean, my Netflix playlist may be a little different than yours. The bedtime for my kids may be a little different than yours. But we're right on the, right on the nose every night, by the way. At our, some of you may be a little lax on that. No problem, man. You're, you have an autonomous home. And so however the rules shake out in your home, the expectation and the discipline in my home may be different than your home. But the last time I checked, we all have a Bible. So it ought to be pretty close in some areas. Here's the point. What kind of rule are you setting? And by the way, absence of rule and standards is not setting any example at all. And so, man, get in that book and apply biblical principles in your home and set the standard according to the Word of God. Secondly, he commands them not to build any houses to dwell in. Now, you need to pay attention to that. That's going to become really important in just a few minutes. But, but listen, as Christians, we know that we're just passing through this world, right? You don't need to plant deep roots in this world because it's temporal. Your house is above. It's in heaven. And so, and so Jonadab commanded his sons, hey, don't get too permanent where you are because one day you may have to move. Number three, he says, don't plant a vineyard nor a field or nor have seed. And, and I want you to think about a career uh, in this context. Uh, listen, uh, he's talking about owning fields and bringing forth uh, a harvest and, and selling uh, fruit and, and, and grain and all those different things and owning land. And, and listen, we, we get wrapped up in all those things. Listen, we're all called to work in a vineyard, but it's a spiritual vineyard. And by the way, it's not our vineyard. You see, we're called to work in a, in a garden, in a vineyard, just like Adam was, but it's God's vineyard. It's God's ministry. We're, we're called to bring forth spiritual fruit. Jonadab warned his sons, don't get too locked into a career and forget about the things of God. And, and, and that's a challenge. Because can I just tell you, when you raise those kids for 18 years and then you send them off to university, what they're going to get is actually build houses to dwell in, drink all you want, Oh, and, and own all you want so that you can do what you want. Okay, well, well, well as Christians, we, we actually have a father that's commanded us with a standard that's different than that. And so as Christians, we need to heed our Heavenly Father. Number four, he says, don't, don't dwell in, in houses, but he says dwell in tents. And the reason he told them that is because they needed to be able to move. They needed to be mobile. They needed to not be permanent residents uh, in Judah and Jerusalem and Israel. We'll get to that in just a second. Can I just tell you in Hebrews 11, there's an interesting cross-reference because that chapter is full of people that walk with God by faith. And in Hebrews 11 and verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And they were persuaded of God's promises and they embraced God's promises, and those people in Hebrews 11 confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. How about you? Man, don't, don't get wrapped up in this earth. Don't love the world. It's temporal in the things of this world. And for the Christian, listen, the world is the place that we're not to plant deep roots. We're to lay up our treasure in heaven, Colossians tells us. We're to sow the seed of God's word in his vineyard. We're to make disciples, and we're not to get entangled. And Jonadab had that standard for his sons. 
You say, why is that, why is that important? Well, here's the key. Jonadab was positioning his family for a future. You see, you see, Jonadab was able to look beyond just the immediate, just the short term, just the temporal things in life. He said, listen, I'm, I'm commanding you these things for this reason, that you may live many days in the land where you be what? Strangers. And so listen, how we rule our home, how we command our home has impact on our children's days. So we, had, we, we need to take heed and set the right standards for our home, not just to be a godly example. We need to be a godly example. But we also need to set the standards for our children. We need to care about their... Man, we need to care about whether or not our children get saved. We need to care whether our children grow into disciples of Christ. We have to model that, but we have to set that standard in our home. Okay, so... So if you had all of that right, and maybe you're a father this morning, you say, you know what, by God's grace, I'm going to walk out of here and do that. Praise the Lord. But that's no guarantee that it's going to happen because there's a second part to this. And the second part is a family's conformity. You see, a father can command and, and lead and rule and, and, and institute the Word of God in his home the right way, and he should. And men, let me just tell you, we can do that together, by the way. None of us have it figured out, including this idiot with the microphone. We, we, I need help, man. And I ask guys, man, what are you doing in your home with your kids? How are, you, how are you instituting this? How are you doing this? How are you praying for your kids? Man, I ask guys, how is this shaking out in your life? We need, as men, can I just, ladies, you can quit listening for a second. As men, we can do this together. And we need to encourage each other and sharpen each other and hold each other accountable to live the way Christ wants us to live. But then there's this second part where the family has to, has to conform to that, right? They have to, to make a choice to surrender themselves to their father's authority. So look at verses 8 through 11. It says, Thus we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father. We, we have obeyed his voice, listen, in all things that he charged us, not to drink no wine, uh, not to drink wine. Let, let me get, man, I cannot talk this morning. To drink no wine all our days. We, listen, our wives, our sons, nor our daughters, nor to build houses for us to dwell in. Neither have we vineyards, nor field, nor seed, but we have dwelt in tents and have obeyed and done according to all that Jonadab our father commanded us. Well, that sounds like complete conformity. It, it, it sounds like submission and, and getting under the authority of the father. And, and so, look, we said that Jonadab led his family faithfully, so let me give you the, the next point to that. Here's the next key. Jonadab's family followed faithfully. And, and, and we got to have that in our homes. We have to have, man, we're not, it's not us and them in our homes. And, and so listen, the expectation biblically is that we all follow the Lord. And as a father rules and, and commands and sets the example and sets the biblical standard in the home, what should happen is a wife that surrenders and follows that and obedient children. Because that's what God is using as a picture to convict and to challenge a wicked nation and a wicked government. I mean, I mean it's the most wicked time for this to be happening. And God says, let me just, let me just show you how awesome I am. 
the way I'm going to prove how awesome I am and the way I'm going to prove that you're rebelling against me is to give you a family to look at as an illustration. God could have used anything he wanted. But man, the biblical home is the greatest example of biblical Christianity there is. Period. And so, young people, I know we've got young people in the room. We just came back from camp. We're going to show the highlights from camp next week just because we had a packed service. But can I talk to you young people? And it's important that you understand the role of your parents in your life, biblically, and that obedience to your parent is biblical. It's biblical. And so here's the key. Children can't be right with God when they're being disobedient to their parents. They can't be right with God when they're disobedient to their parents. And, and man, this morning's not a parenting clinic. It could be. But look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is... What is it? It's right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Children, obey your parents in how many things? All things. A lot of parents are like, I'm going to help you read those verses, Pastor. <laughs> it's all. <laughs> how many things did Jonadab's sons obey him in? All things, right? And so, and so I know, man, listen, I, I used to be a teen. I used to be a young person a long time ago. But I hope you're picking up what I'm putting down here, teens. Listen, if you aren't obedient to your parents, the parents that God gave you, then you aren't obedient to your Heavenly Father. So if your obedience is right, disobedience is wrong. Okay? If obedience, according to the Bible, is what makes it well with thee, then disobedience makes it not well with thee. If obedience is pleasing to the Lord, then disobedience is, what's the opposite of that? It's, it's not pleasing to the Lord. You say, man, why are you, why are you looking right at the kids? Be because this is to the kids. And the problem is, some of us as kids never got that down, and then we turned into adults that don't have it down. And, and we still don't have a right relationship with our Heavenly Father because we still disobey Him. And, and then we model for our kids a wrong relationship with God the Father and somehow expect our children to turn out right. And, and listen, just because you model it right doesn't mean your kids are going to turn out right because they have a free will. They have a choice. But God, help us to be the example, okay? And, and young people, I'm not done with you yet, so, so give me your attention just for a second. Listen, maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Jay, you don't know the home I live in. You don't know my dad. You don't know my mom. I mean, they're super strict, they're super unreasonable, they're all the things, and I know that, okay, I, I, I get it, I get it. And, and maybe the thought would even come across your mind, well, I wish somebody else was my parent, right? Don't say that out loud. <laughs> but, but let me just encourage you, be thankful for who God put in your life, and learn to submit to them, and learn to obey them, and can I just tell you, your parents are probably doing the best they know how to do in their walk with God and in the Word of God. And one day you're going to become a parent by God's grace, and you're going to look back and you're going to realize, well, my parents weren't that stupid after all. 
Anybody, anybody remember that? Like being in the house thinking, man, what a bunch of idiots I'm living with. I'm, I'm, living, with a, I'm living with a bunch of clowns. When I get old, I'm going to have all this figured out. And then you have that first kid and you're like, I'm the clown, man. I'm the fool. <laughs> man, I'm an idiot. And you pick up the phone and you call your mom and dad because you're like, man, I don't know what to do. I'm a moron. And we all thought that. Man, we can't, we can't be right with God, children, as, as we're disobedient to our parents. And so, and so here's the practical application. Our household ought to be an example worthy to follow. God wants to use your home. God wants to use your relationship with your wife and your children. God wants to use the household, man, to put on full display as a testimony of God's grace, his goodness, biblical relationships, a right relationship with him, and also a testimony of rebuke to wicked, sinful people. God wants to raise up some homes. And and by the way, if you don't think the home is under attack in our country, you need to open your eyes. It's been under attack for a long time. So so in the same sense that our homes are to be an example worthy to follow, can I just tell you that corporately and spiritually, our church ought to also be an example worthy to follow. Because, Because it's very interesting that God uses the same terminology concerning our homes personally and privately as he does the church corporately. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And can I just tell you, like in your home, I'm sure you grew up in a home that certain behavior was acceptable, and, and there were some things that was absolutely unacceptable. It was like, man, when you cross this line, the spanking spoon's coming out. My dad didn't have a spanking spoon. He did have a leather belt, and it was fearful. And uh, it just took a few interactions with that to kind of straighten me out, man. It, it, that thing hung in his bedroom on his stink. Anyways, man, I, I still have vivid imagery of that belt. And, uh, and yeah, whatever. Not, not abuse at all. Just corporal punishment, right? Well, can I just tell you, in the same way in our personal homes, there's behavior that's acceptable and unacceptable. In the corporate body of believers, in the church, there's rule. There's authority. There's structure, there's order, and there's behavior that's acceptable. And there's behavior that's not acceptable. And, and so God tells us in that verse, listen, I, I, I'm, Paul's writing this to Timothy so that, so that he may know how to behave in the house of God. So you can't just do what you want to do in the church. You'll get told no. And by the way, no is a complete sentence. And it's really short, so you don't have to waste a lot of letters with it. I'm just telling you that our homes privately and personally and our church corporately ought to be the things that God can put on full display for the lost world to see. Okay. Man, we're running out of time. You've got to listen faster. Number Next key is this. Jonadab's family was sober and strategic when the enemy attacked. Okay, and, and so let's go back to that that standard that he had. Hey, don't drink wine, don't live in a house, don't have a field, live in tents. Okay, look at verse 11. Here's why he taught them that. It says in verse 11, but it came to pass when Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up into the land that we said, come, let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the armies of the Chaldeans and for fear of the armies of the Syrians 
so we dwell at Jerusalem. You see, they had an enemy that attacked. Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament is a type or a picture of Satan. He's a, a type or a picture of the Antichrist. And when he attacked, well, they, they, were, they were sober enough and strategic enough to understand the attack and make right decisions. And I need you to hear me right now. They couldn't do what they, were di- what they did if, number one, they were full of wine. And they couldn't have done what they did if they were tied down to the material possessions of this world. So all they did is when Nebuchadnezzar came in the land, they just said, you know what? We don't have anything anyway other than this tent we're dwelling in. Let's break it down and let's go to Jerusalem so we can stay alive. And that's what they did. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 tells us that we need to be, I'll let you read it. We need to be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And being sober certainly means sober-minded, but it also means being sober. And being vigilant means being cautious and active and taking heed to the situation. Jonadab placed his family in a situation to win through his instruction. And because they were sober and strategic, when the enemy attacked, they were able to make a right decision. And by the way... If you don't think the enemy is going to attack your home and your children and your marriage, man, your head is in the sand, man. It's not if the attack is going to come, it's when. And, And when it comes and your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion shows up, man, are you going to be sober minded enough and strategic enough to survive the attack? And, and let me ask you this. Will your children be sober enough and strategic enough to survive the attack? Okay. Things to think about. Okay. So God has, has given us this picture of Jonadab and his, his household and his sons and his wives and his children and his grandchildren. He's put them on full display. What's God going to do with that? Well, here's what he's going to do. Point number three in your notes. He's going to convict and convince or convince and convict Judah through this illustration. Look at verses 12 to 17. You have to look at it in your Bible because it's too many verses to put on the screen. But look what it says. Then came the word of the Lord to Jeremiah, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will ye not receive an instruction and hearken to my word, saith the Lord? The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine, are performed. And unto this day they drink none, but obey their father's commandment notwithstanding. And then here's where God flips it. He says, I have spoken to you, rising early and speaking, but ye hearken not to me. I have sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Return, return ye now every man from his evil way and the land which I gave to you and to your fathers. But ye have not inclined your ear nor hearkened to me, because the sons of Jonadab, the sons of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which he commanded them. But this people have not hearkened to me. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil 
that I pronounced against them, because they have spoken unto them, but, I have, but they have not heard, and I've called unto them, but they've not answered. You see, God used Jonadab's family to convince and convict a nation that needed to repent. And that's what he's going to do today. That's what he's going to do today. You say, man, our country needs revival. You want know, me to tell you where revival starts? It starts in our homes. That's where it starts. It starts in our homes. You see, there's not going to be a revival until, until we as believers in Christ position our homes in a way that God can show a lost world, an evil nation, an evil king, what biblical Christianity really looks like. You don't do it to get revival. You do it because it's right. And so our marriages, get this key in your notes, our marriages between husbands and wife, picture to the lost world, a relationship between Christ and the church. So your marriage to your spouse ought to be biblical and it ought to be right and it ought to be an example that people can look to and say, man, you, you love your wife like crazy. You talk about her all the time. You shut up. <laughs> and the answer is no. I'm not shutting up because she's awesome. Man, our, 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 our wives ought to have a right relationship with the husband so that it pictures Christ's submission and fellowship to the church. And God doesn't like us messing up the picture, by the way. And so in the same sense, our marriage picture Christ in the church. Can I just tell you, our home pictures to the lost world what relationships within the, the, the body of Christ, the local church, should look like. God calls the church the household of faith. And man, when our relationships at home aren't right, we're going we're gonna to come into a corporate assembly, and man, our relationships here aren't going to be right. And so, and so let me give you the last key and the last blank, and then we're done. So we just need to be reminded that obedience to earthly authority always mirrors our obedience to heavenly authority. Again, teens, kids, man, when you submit yourself to the authority God's put in your life as parents, as a mother and a father, then what you're doing is you're mirroring submission and obedience to your heavenly father. And when you don't do that, you're mirroring rebellion and disobedience. Even in the local church, we have rule, we have order. There's a hierarchy. It's not an issue of value, but it is an issue of order. And we're called to, to follow that authority. We're to submit ourselves to God's word and to his leaders. And here's how God blesses that. Here's the last point we're done. God gives his consolation. He gives his consolation. And I, I want you to look at verses 18 and 19 and we're done. So, man, God, God just elevates this family right in the house of God and says, Listen, you, you rebellious, evil, backslidden Judah. Do you see how these sons obey their father in everything that he says? You ought to be doing that with me. And so here's the consolation, verses 18 and 19. Jeremiah said to the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because ye have obeyed the commandments of Jonadab your father, and kept all his precepts, and done according to all that he hath commanded you, therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever. And so you need to understand that biblical parenting, here's the last key in your notes, yields a reward. Biblical parenting yields a reward. You see, God blessed 
the fatherhood and the faith of Jonadab, and God also blessed the obedience of his sons and his daughters, and he gave him a blessing of perpetual sons. They're going to stand before the Lord. That's a powerful promise. And, and man, there's a physical application to that, but can I just tell you there's also a spiritual application. Man, my desire is to see my children and grandchildren, both physically and spiritually, walk with God all their days. But I'm, I'm going to tell you that ain't going to happen by accident. It's not going to happen by accident. We as fathers, man I, I, man, I hope this has been encouraging. This is not to beat anybody, man. This is, this is to encourage us and empower us. We as fathers, we have a tremendous opportunity to impact our home. And through impacting our home, man, God will be able to put that thing on full display for the world to see. Not because we're perfect, because we're not perfect. But, man, we can just trust God in his word. And when we do that, God uses that as an example for people that need to surrender to him. And so I hope that's a blessing to you. Let me pray, and then we've got a couple announcements, and then we'll get out of here. Thank you guys for being here. Father, we, we love you this morning. Thank you for your word.